Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. numbers i'm your host ryan blackburn at nba blackburn on twitter it is tuesday morning here nuggets nation as we get into the nba season the regular season is here tonight the los angeles lakers and clippers will do battle on the west coast in staples center apparently 400 credentialed media members are going to that game there's going to be a lot of viewers there's going to be a lot of hype LeBron James and Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, and, well, not Paul George, but, and not Kyle Kuzma. Uh, okay, so it's not it's not as hyped as, as everybody seems to think it is, but but it's L.A. There's, uh, there's going to be a lot of people there. There's going to be a lot of excitement there for sure. But this is Nuggets Numbers. This is the Nuggets podcast that gives you the best nuggets of statistical information, of analysis, between contracts, efficiency, shooting percentages, uh, you name it, I will talk about it. We are here on this Tuesday morning. It's very exciting out right now. Just one day away from the Nuggets regular season opener against the Portland Trailblazers. A couple of news and notes with Denver Stiffs. We did our Denver Stiffs predictions yesterday. Those went really well. I was really happy with how those came out. I actually made the graphs. Nick Herzog who is our graphic designer. He's also the podcaster for the podcast, The Dig. Uh, he did a great graphic design of all of the Nuggets players on one image, and it looks wonderful. It really does look great. So check that out. We gave our predictions for the season, how certain Nuggets would turn out, how certain NBA things would turn out, awards, uh, division races, and then the championship. So Hope you guys have read that already. Uh, Over-unders have come out today and will come out tomorrow between Daniel Lewis and I for the Eastern Conference today, the Western Conference tomorrow. Daniel and I have done this. This will be our fourth straight year. My fourth year in a row of being with the site. I've done this with Dan for four years in a row. We've done pretty well. I went. I usually go back through them and try to get as good of a record as, I, as possible and, and keep myself in line. Uh, I went 18 and 12 last year, I believe the number was, which if you're betting on every single number is pretty good. Uh, there are certain numbers I wouldn't have bet on and probably some that I would have lost on. So I was pretty happy to have an 18 and 12 record. Definitely make sure to check those out if you're looking to place some bets right before the season begins. Zach Mikosh will have an editorial today. The Dig podcast will make its first episode return on the when on Wednesday, so tomorrow. Uh, really excited to have those guys back. They bring a really interesting 
angle to the Denver Stiffs podcast. They produced Breaking Basketball, which its second episode will debut on Thursday, if all goes correctly. We have a lot of different things coming out, so we'll see if that makes its way there. But each of those guys are going to have a good time with it. Uh, Breaking Basketball, I really enjoyed the first episode. Those guys putting on a great narrative left it with a cliffhanger. Somebody got traded at the end of last episode. Again, Breaking Basketball is kind of a predictive podcast on how the Denver Nuggets are going to win the NBA championship. But in order to do that, some things must happen. They have to defeat Nug Life. Uh, The Denver Stiff Show will be on Friday or Saturday, depending on whether the audience wants a recap podcast of of the Denver Nuggets home opener. Or if they would just like a standard Denver Stiff show, we can talk about the Nuggets season opener and then just kind of get into the general Nuggets discussion that you guys so know well and love. And finally, the Nuggets watch party at Brooklyn's Bar on Wednesday. Be there. Denver Stiffs will be partnering with the Denver Nuggets on their watch parties this year. Really excited to announce that on this podcast. We're having a great time. Our We're going to continue promoting that. So if you guys are interested in going down to the watch party, I will be there. Uh, Meet me. I know that Adam Maris did a great job of meeting with all of the Denver Stiffs fans, uh, Denver Stiffs readers, while he was at these watch parties, and I'd love to do the same. So come say hi. I'll be sitting in a booth in all likelihood at Brooklyn's Bar, and we will enjoy that game. Okay, this podcast will have two primary segments. The first segment will be about the news from today. I'm recording this on Monday night in preparation for a Tuesday morning drop. Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez were up for rookie extensions this year. Uh, They didn't get those. The rookie deadline passed. Uh, The rookie extension deadline passed at 4 p.m., 6 p.m. Eastern today. Uh, It always passes the day before the regular season begins for those rookies that are eligible. Uh, Quickly, I want to explain how this process goes. I know that a lot of people are a little bit confused about the logistics of these extensions, why they matter, why only Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez are eligible, uh, specific things like that. So let me get into it. First, first round picks. get an opportunity to sign rookie extensions after their third season. Teams have an opportunity to pick up uh, options for each of their rookies in the third and fourth season. Uh, As long as a team picks up their third and fourth options, that player becomes eligible for a rookie extension. So Malik Beasley and Wancherhan and Gomez were drafted along with Jamal Murray in the 2016 NBA Draft. That means that this year, their upcoming season will be their fourth season. They've played three years so far. Uh, Murray, Beasley, Wancho all came off the bench in the first season. Murray became a starter in the second season and and really started to prove himself. In this past year, uh, Malik Beasley became a permanent rotation player. Wancho Hernan Gomez spent some time in the starting unit. All three of those guys provided some potential, provided some real intrigue for this upcoming year. But when July 1st rolled around, the Nuggets had an opportunity to extend each of these players. That's the time period between July 1st of the 1920 season and October 21st, today, or yesterday when you're listening to this podcast, 
that's when the Nuggets had their window to extend these players uh, because they're after the three-year window. The Nuggets extended Murray on day one of free agency. Uh, it was a very big surprise when they did it. It doesn't usually happen for players unless they are a no-doubter player. Uh, ben Simmons, for example, was a no-doubt max rookie extension. He had already made an all-star game. He's been very talented. He's going to continue to get better. He was a number one overall pick. Jamal Murray isn't the same caliber of player as Ben Simmons as yet, and he may never get there. He may never catch up to a guy like Ben Simmons, but the Nuggets believed in Jamal Murray, so they decided to extend him and give him the same contract that Ben Simmons received a max five-year extension. Uh, there were no bells and whistles on that for Murray. That means a no-no trade clause, no trade kicker, which means that when you get traded, the player gets an increase in money that the incoming team has to pay. Uh, there was no player option that Murray was given, so he couldn't exercise that and get out of his contract. But there are also no bells and whistles for the Nuggets, so no discount for Murray, from Murray. Uh, the Nuggets had to pay the full max from the sounds of it. Um, there was no team option, so the Nuggets don't have an opportunity to get out of that contract at the end if they don't want to. So the Nuggets didn't spend a lot of time negotiating this. It actually kind of sounds like they went to Murray and immediately offered him the max when he was given the opportunity, and Murray took it. There was no reason for him to ask for that much more. The Nuggets offered him the max, and he accepted, and that was that. Malik Beasley and Watcher Hernan Gomez did not get those same negotiations during this window, during this process, uh, and they did not eventually sign these rookie extensions this, during this window. So what that means is that they will not be locked up long-term on a long-term extension like Murray is. Uh, they will have, they'll be on a one-year deal right now until the end of this season, and then in 2020 free agency, they will become restricted free agents. Restricted free agency is a process that gives the Nuggets the right of the first choice, which basically means as long as they go through the proper procedures, they can retain Beasley and Wancho, even if those guys agree to a deal with another team. So, for example, let's say Malik Beasley wants to sign a deal with the Oklahoma City Thunder, at during the start of 2020 free agency, he signs a four-year deal worth $55 million. The Nuggets decide, yeah, we want to pay that. We, we like that. Uh, we want to keep Malik Beasley around. So they have an opportunity to match that contract, uh, whatever the Thunder decide to give Malik Beasley. And then that means Malik Beasley will be a Denver Nugget for the next four seasons at that point. That's what being a restricted free agent means. It means that the Denver Nuggets have an opportunity to keep those guys no matter what they choose. I do not expect the Nuggets to bring those guys back, but let's let's get into first the what Beasley and Wancho we can expect from them this year. I expect the Nuggets to play Beasley kind of as normal. He's been the backup shooting guard. I don't expect that to change. Gary Harris is really important for this team. He's actually a really good player, especially when he's on. Uh, but I, I expect Malik Beasley to be that backup for most of the year. He's earned it. He had a great 82-game uh, season last year. And as long as he plays that well as the backup two, he will continue to be the backup two. He has star potential. Uh, the Nuggets might want to continue to figure that out, whether he was going to be that be around at that point. 
Wancho um, has too many guys ahead of him, though. I don't really expect him to play that much this year uh, at small forward or power forward. Right now, the Nuggets are probably going to start Will Barton, in my opinion, at the beginning of the year. Torrey Craig is also in that factor. He's also in that rotation. And then there's the Michael Porter Jr. factor, which Wancho uh, Hernan Gomez and Michael Porter Jr., they fill very similar roles on this team. Uh, both like size, like Wancho is about 6'9", Porter's about 6'10". They're both kind of off-ball, small forward, power forward types who make their money by shooting the ball. And they're not great defenders either. So if the Nuggets believe in Michael Porter Jr., which I think they do, they're going to give him a look. They're going to give him the opportunity to prove himself. That, to me, makes the most sense. And Michael Malone already trusts Will Barton and Torrey Craig. So unless a trade occurs and one of those guys disappears, I don't really expect Wancho to play a lot this year. But a a trade could definitely occur. And the Nuggets and other teams have incentive to move Beasley and Wancho. If the Nuggets aren't planning on re-signing those guys, especially Wancho, then it makes an objective sense to move them for a player or pick will be around. Unfortunately, the league is not just made of spreadsheets. It's not just made of valuation. Uh, there is a subjective nature to this league. And I say unfortunately, but this this game really is all about basketball like it's about the guys it's about the players and how they play together it's how the coaching dynamic works it's it's not really about the money uh fans like to make it that way but it's it's not um subjectively Juancho Hernan Gomez and Nikola Jokic are great friends probably the best friends on the team and the chemistry on this team is very high at the moment so altering that could be a really bad thing for Denver's season That could be a really, really big, big problem if they piss off Nikola Jokic. Because if you piss off Nikola Jokic, your best player, and your best player demands out, then you're sunk because you've built this entire product around Nikola Jokic. Now, maybe he sees the writing on the wall and likes to play with Michael Porter Jr. too. But if he can't see why the Nuggets aren't paying Wancho Hernan Gomez, that could be an issue. Um... Will the Nuggets re-sign Beasley or Wancho in free agency next offseason? I think it's anybody's guess. We don't know what Malik Beasley's market is going to be, but I expect it to be pretty high where he has a lot of demand on the open market. He's one of the best young players that will be available this year. Uh, Today, during the restricted free agency deadline, a lot of the first-round picks got locked up. Uh, Jalen Brown, uh, Karis LeVert already was locked up. DeMontis Sabonis was locked up. Torian Prince was locked up. Um, All of these guys have been given money to stay with their respective teams. And Malik Beasley is probably the highest profile uh, 2019 or 2016 draftee who will be on the open market next year. And teams are going to be interested in that. Uh, He's still a very young player. He still has a lot of potential, a lot of athleticism, and is a great shooter, which is the most important skill in this league right now. So it's anybody's guess whether he'll come back, but Denver needs the money to afford Jeremy Grant and possibly re-sign Paul Millsap, Mason Plumlee, Torrey Craig. All of those guys are free agents. Jamal Murray's extension kicks in next year, and the Nuggets will have about... $98 $98 million already tied to eight players uh, between Murray, Jokic, Harris, Barton, Michael Porter Jr., Monte Morris, Jared Vanderbilt, and Vlatko Chanchar. 
The salary cap is projected at 116 million and the luxury tax is 141 million. I don't see the Nuggets being a salary cap team, uh, which means that they would sign outside free agents. That's just not really their style right now. But they need to stay under that luxury tax because it's it's not like they've been a luxury tax team in the past. Uh, they just don't want to do that. They're in a regional sports network dispute right now because they don't really want to pay for it. And that's kind of a big deal. So we're going to see what happens, but I really don't see Malik Beasley and Wacho being re-signed unless they're at a, a fair price. I think that they could get a fair price for Wancho Hernan Gomez. Don't think they're going to get a fair price for Malik Beasley, so we'll just have to see. But anyway, let's take a break, and when we come back, the main part of this podcast, I'm going to make 20 2019-20 regular season predictions uh, for the 20 predictions for the 2020 season, basically. So a lot of the ones that I had in the predictions article, but a lot that I didn't. These are my honest thoughts. These are what I believe will, what will happen, and we're going to see what happens. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. Nuggets numbers here. It's just Ryan today. Solo podcast. Really getting through this one. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, talked about the Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez kind of non-extension news today in the first segment. thought that was really important because the Nuggets have done a really good job of paying their guys and, and giving them what they believe is due. Uh, they, they gave a big contract to Will Barton. They gave a big contract to Mason Plumley. Um, that's a big deal. These guys are this team really takes care of their own, and I think it's notable that they didn't decide to re-sign or at least like extend at this point Malik Beasley and Wancho. They may not have enough money to do it, uh, as we talked about right at the tail end of that segment. But either way, let's get into our next segment here, the 2020 regular season predictions. I have 20 of them. Uh, Oddly enough, that was definitely planned. The first prediction... The win-loss record for this year. The Nuggets will win 58 games, go 58-24. and 24. They will be the first or the second seed in the Western Conference, depending on how quickly the Houston Rockets gel together. I believe in the Houston Rockets, but I believe in the Denver Nuggets a lot more right now, just because I know that there's a dynamic between Russell Westbrook and James Harden that you can't really predict. I'm giving it my best shot and I believe that they'll win about 56 games so if I had to put money on it I would put money on the Nuggets winning the first seed but we'll just have to see how it goes I think the Nuggets are going to be great they have too much depth they've got star power they've got guys who can get better there are a lot of avenues for the Nuggets to get to 58 wins this year especially if they start hot they don't have a single month this year of the 
of the schedule that is just a bloodbath, unlike other teams. The Nuggets schedule month to month is really uh, pretty flat. Um, there's no there's no month where they face the hardest schedule in the NBA, kind of like they did for the end of last season. So we're just going to have to see what happens. But either way, the Nuggets MVP this year is going to be Nikola Jokic. That's pretty simple. I think he's going to average about 20.5 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists in 32 minutes per game. He'll play about 70 to 75 games, depending on how much rest he needs during the regular season. The Nuggets are going to rest him. I think that that makes the most sense to me. They have the talent behind him with Mason Plumlee as the primary backup right now and Jeremy Grant as a quality backup, uh, capable starter, honestly. And then Paul Millsap, who's going to play as much as he can uh, given where he's at in his career so but either way Jokic very talented player as everybody knows top 10 player guaranteed Uh, I think he's going to really solidify that this year with the averaging of eight assists he was at 7.3 last year that number is going to go up just because he has a lot of equity in the offense right now and he also doesn't really want to score that much he's going to score because the Nuggets offense is going to be tailored towards him scoring, but he's going to pass the hell out of the ball. And with Gary Harris getting back healthy, with Will Barton being a little bit healthier, uh, with the addition of Jeremy Grant, I think that he gets up to eight assists, which 20-11-8 is just nuts. So we're, we're going to see where that goes. I believe, and this is my third prediction, the Nuggets All-Stars, there's going to be one, and it's going to be Jokic. Murray will get votes, but there's just too much talent in the West. I believe Murray's going to average about 20 points, five and a half assists, and five and a half rebounds in 33 minutes this year. He'll play the most minutes on the team because he can play next to Monte Morris. He has the flexibility to be able to do that. And the Nuggets are going to want to continue to prove to the NBA world that they made the right decision by extending Jamal Murray. They're going to continue to push him, and I think he'll respond pretty well to that. He may start out slow again, but if he doesn't, then look out. I think that guy could really do some damage. The Nuggets defensive player this year is not going to be Paul Millsap. I think it's going to be Gary Harris. Gary Harris is in for a big year, not necessarily in his success level, but like it's a big personal year for him. He had a really down year and has had a lot of injury-prone, un- like bad luck over the last several years of his career. Uh, Jamal Murray has leapfrogged him in the pecking order for scoring, and that's fine. I don't think he really cares. Uh, he got paid. like he He's definitely okay with where he's at right now. But the way that Gary Harris can continue to be a strong, strong Uh, two-way presence is if he continues to develop his defensive game. He's at that point in his career where he kind of knows everybody around the league. He knows the tricks of the trade. He's going to get steals. He's going to uh, get in people's faces. He's going to be defending the opposing team's best guard most of the nights. Uh, Jamal Murray is going to be kind of playing the off guard most of the time on defense so Gary Harris is going to get a tough assignment and I think the Nuggets defense is going to be pretty good Gary Harris is a big reason for that the Nuggets six man of the year will be Jeremy Grant 
He'll come off the bench, play big minutes, but he'll also start some games, and he'll probably play, my guess is, upwards of 25 minutes per game. Uh, I'll get more into that, but I think he's going to be playing the most off the bench of anybody. I think he'll have the highest impact of anybody just because of the way that he can impact the game athletically and with his floor spacing. There are very few players in the NBA who can space the floor as well as he can and can block shots and play versatile defense as well as he can at the power forward position. Most of them are star types. Most of them are star players like uh, Anthony Davis and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Paul George and guys like that, LeBron James, guys like that who are that size, uh, big, strong, fast, athletic, but can also have some shooting skill. Giannis doesn't really have the shooting skill, but I don't think anybody really cares. He's an MVP candidate, probably the best player in the league right now. Jeremy Grant, very capable of doing a lot of those same things athletically, just not necessarily dribbling and dunking over the top of Ben Simmons like Giannis Antetokounmpo, the MVP, can. My sixth prediction, the Nuggets' most improved player will be Jamal Murray. People are underselling, in my mind, how high his efficiency can go if he just shoots 50% from two and 90% from the free throw line. He shot 47.6% from two last year and 84.8% from the three from the free throw line. <coughs> to me, that was the biggest reason why his efficiency dropped last year. Uh, he didn't shoot as efficiently from inside the arc, and for some reason he dropped with his free throw percentage. If those numbers jump up to those points that I had specifically said, he goes from a below-average efficiency player to an above-average efficiency player without changing any of his shot distribution, without any like actual improvement. This is moderate improvement. This is minimal, honestly. Like This is... This is without improving his three-point shot, without taking more threes, without changing his shot distribution at all to be in a kind of a better place. And I think he's going to get better at that too. So there's a lot of opportunity for him to get better. And on the defensive end, like that's that's an easy way for him to improve his game. Just don't be a liability against the second guard on an opposing team's roster. Uh, whether that's a buddy healed on the... Sacramento Kings or it's a CJ McCollum on the Portland Trailblazers if Jamal Murray can at least defend those guys at an adequate level then he's already the most improved player I don't think there's another candidate on the roster that makes sense uh Jokic isn't going to improve that much uh Paul Millsap definitely not Jeremy Grant is going to get less minutes Will Barton could certainly be the most improved but I I have some reservations there too um Let's talk about Will Barton. In my, my seventh prediction, Will Barton starts over half of Denver's games at small forward. I think that he's going to go into the opening night as the starter, and he's going to keep that keep that job for most of the nights, most of the games that the Nuggets play this year. Uh, 41 games would be half. I think that he crosses that threshold as long as he stays healthy. Uh, the Nuggets are going to be really good, basically whoever they have in there at small forward. I'm not really worried about it. Their bench is going to be spectacular. Again, uh, one of the best benches in the NBA, if not the best. Their depth is just unmatched around the NBA. 
And Jokic makes a lot of people better, no matter what happens, no matter what the Nuggets decide to do at the small forward position. They're going to be okay because they have Nikola Jokic, not because the they made the right decision at small forward. But I think because Will Barton is the veteran, I think he's going to get the biggest opportunity. My eighth prediction, Torrey Craig starts 25 games at small forward. That to me seems pretty reasonable in terms of, hey, you're switching the matchup up from Will Barton. You're playing the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's put in Torrey Craig so he can defend LeBron James and Will Barton doesn't have to. I think that makes the most sense. There's a there's a little bit of logic in starting Barton in those situations just so you can see whether he can do it. But if he can't, then why try? Or at least you'll figure it out the first game and then realize, okay, yeah, now we need to figure out how to play Torrey Craig there. So there will be opportunities for that. Torrey Craig will be the injury replacement if Will Barton needs to go out. I don't see them starting Michael Porter Jr. a ton, except number nine, Michael Porter Jr. starts under 10 games at small forward this year and zero playoff games. I don't think they're going to throw him into the fire at all. Uh, They have an opportunity to take it slowly. They didn't play Jamal Murray a lot as a starter in his rookie year. And to me, I think those situations are similar, where they had a guy in front of him that they really trusted. The Nuggets have a couple of guys that they trust in those situations, and Will Barton and Torrey Craig. Michael Porter Jr. doesn't really make sense as the small forward this year. He will make the most sense next year if he's anything close to what he's shown in the first four preseason games. But there's no pressure to immediately start trying to put him out there. At least give him some time. He'll be fine. Prediction 10. Paul Millsap plays 60 games, uses at least half of those as DNP load management days. Uh, Paul Millsap, uh, certifiably old in terms of this Nuggets rotation. He's definitely the, the veteran on the block. He said that he would be okay with load management if the Nuggets decided they wanted to rest him, and I think that they're going to. They want him as fresh for the playoffs as they can. And why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they want him to be at his best? They have an opportunity with Jeremy Grant as his backup uh, to play Grant a lot of minutes when he sits, just so that Grant can be a little bit happier in those situations, and Grant can play next to Nikola Jokic, and they can develop that chemistry. I think that's a really big, big setup for the Nuggets to then prediction 11, Jeremy Grant plays all 82 games and averages 27 minutes a night, starting at least 30 games. Now, if you if you heard me correctly, Paul Millsap plays 60 games. Jeremy Grant starts 30 games. That's 90, so that means that Jeremy Grant has to be starting at least some games that Paul Millsap plays in, and I think that that's going to happen. Uh, I think by the end of the year, Grant will be the starting power forward, and then he will start the playoff games, or at least some of the playoff games for the Nuggets. He has the athleticism to work with Jokic. He has the spacing that the Nuggets want at the forward position, whether it's at the rim, with his rim gravity, with his ability to shoot over the top of defenders at the two-foot mark around the rim, or if it's at the three-point line where he can quickly jump out to the three, uh, shoot the three, or even take guys off the dribble. He showed some of that skill level in preseason, and I thought he looked great doing it. So 
the Nuggets are going to want to cultivate that, especially if they believe that he's going to be the power forward of the future. They're going to have to give him at least some of that opportunity in order to see what he does, in order to see how he performs in those situations. Number 12, Monte Morris and Malik Beasley, they will drop off as three-point shooters in percentage, but they're going to improve off the dribble. Monte Morris was a stud off the dribble last year, so it might seem counterintuitive that he's going to improve. I think he's going to, though, maybe not necessarily in efficiency, but definitely in volume. The Nuggets offense really calls for the point guard and shooting guard in the dribble handoff, in the pick-and-roll game, to be able to shoot off the dribble. Uh, Monte Morris was really great at that. I think you're going, they're going to continue to give him opportunities to grow because if he continues to grow into a Fred Van Vliet-type player, he could impact the playoff series much more than he did in the first time. Uh, Malik Beasley, they're going to continue to give opportunities as well. He deserves them. He's very good. He's very talented. They may not have Beasley at the end of the year when free agency is all said and done or the Nuggets, if they decide to trade, Malik Beasley's a pretty big trade chip for them. But... I believe that Beasley will continue to grow his game. He'll want to show off that he can do certain things, and the Nuggets will want him to do that too because the more valuable he looks, the better player they could possibly get in a trade. So if if whatever he does is valuable for them, they're going to want to showcase it for sure. Number 13, Torrey Craig posts a career-high three-point percentage but plays less overall. This past year, he played over 1,000 minutes. I believe he'll probably get around 1,000 minutes again. I don't know if he's necessarily going to play every single game, though, because I think they're going to try and play Michael Porter Jr. And if they start Will Barton, then there's very limited opportunity for Torrey Craig in the rotation. Now, there will be times where there is injury, and Craig will then come in and probably be the starter at small forward if there's injury, or he will be uh, a backup shooting guard if Beasley were to go down, or the backup shooting guard if Gary Harris were to go down, or or whatever happens. But the Nuggets are going to want to keep their 10-man rotation, and he's a great candidate to kind of be the 11th man in those situations because he's versatile. Uh, he's a willing defender. He's a good player. I just don't think he necessarily fits this current group of the Nuggets because of some of the other strengths and limitations of the players around him. He's a good 3 and D piece, though, and opposing teams are going to want him at the trade deadline. It'll be interesting to see if the Nuggets do, in fact, decide to keep him or if they decide to trade him. They may decide to trade him if they believe that they've got the the depth necessary to succeed in the playoffs. But he fills a great role. He started for the Nuggets last year, did a great job in the playoffs. We're just going to have to see how that goes. Number 14, Wancho Hernan Gomez doesn't play at all in the second half of the season. Uh, I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but... uh, And by at all, I mean in the rotation. I think he would play garbage time or he'll be gone or he'll be traded. It just kind of depends on his situation and the situation with Michael Porter Jr. 
if they want to play Michael Porter Jr. as much as they can, they're going to find minutes for him. They're not necessarily going to find minutes for him uh, for Juancho Hernan Gomez because those guys fill basically the same role. So it's one or the other, in my opinion, unless they decide to go with one at the three and one at the four and play them together, which I think is a a tantalizing lineup in certain situations. However, you have Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant. How many times you're really going to play those guys together uh, and take one of Grant or Millsap off the floor? Now, maybe in one of those situations, it's when Millsap is resting and you want more spacing in your back in your backcourt or front front court, excuse me. But we're going to see what happens. Number 15, Michael Porter Jr. will play 65 games, averaging 18 minutes per game, though he will begin at 15 minutes per game. I think he'll be looking at a rookie campaign of averaging 10 points, 3.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists. I think the three-point percentage is going to be lower than people think because he is a rookie, because he is in a situation where he has a specific role to fill, unless he fills it perfectly, that three-point percentage is going to be depressed because I just don't think he's going to feel very confident in it. Jamal Murray shot pretty poorly from three in his rookie season. Gary Harris shot badly from three. Uh, Nikola Jokic shot badly from three. Malik Beasley, same thing. It's just kind of a thing that even if you're a good shooter, even if you're capable, you don't necessarily immediately hit your three-point shots. But I think the 48% from the field, that's a big deal for somebody that's going to take as many three-point attempts as Michael Porter Jr. I think he's going to get a lot of easy shots at the rim uh, just because he's tall. He's very big. He's a weapon around there. And with Nikola Jokic, with Mason Plumley, with a lot of capable passers at the big man positions and a and a backcourt that wants to find him as well in Monte Morris and Malik Beasley, I think that he'll be a very capable option there. Uh, he will be mostly a backup. As I said, I don't think he'll start any more than 10 games, which means that at least 55 of those games that I project him to play will be coming off the bench, and I think he'll do a pretty good job of it, especially for a rookie. But I wouldn't predict a rookie of the year. That, that to me, is saved for guys that are going to start. Number 16, either one big trade will occur at the deadline for the Nuggets or multiple smaller trades will occur. I really do think that zero trades is very unlikely. The Nuggets are in a position right now where guys are going to just be unhappy at some point, and the Nuggets, for the betterment of their team, are likely to make a trade. Uh, Tim Connolly has always been active at the deadline. Um, I believe last year was the first year that he didn't actually make a trade at the deadline in his uh, in his tenure. That was because he couldn't really find a good move for Trey Lyles, and that's fine. That's that's reasonable. I can understand that. But he tried. I know that he tried. Um, this Nuggets group is definitely in need of a trade, though. Um, it it just is. There's there's no real way to say it other than that. Number seventeen, the Northwest Division will finish in the following order: the Nuggets will be the first place team, the Jazz will come in second. In third will be the Blazers, in fourth is the T-Wolves, and in fifth is the Thunder. Uh, I believe in the Jazz. I think they're going to come out a little bit slower than people understand because Conley and Mitchell, 
there's a dynamic there that they'll they're still learning how to share the ball. The Jazz are still learning to adjust their new rotation. I think they're going to start Joe Ingles on the bench for the first time in his career with the Jazz. So we're going to see how that goes. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily going to work, but they're going to start slow. They're going to figure that out. They don't have a lot of depth, so they could uh, they could definitely be susceptible to injury. But the Blazers are going to be basically penciled in the third place. I don't think they compete for the first or second seed in this division. And I don't think they're going to be as bad to compete for the fourth or fifth seed. The T-Wolves are going to be better than the Thunder because I think the Thunder are going to sell off their pieces. Sam Presti, he's a dealer. That's what he does. He's going to make moves. I totally believe it. Um, and then Carl Anthony Towns with the T-Wolves. They're going to finish in fourth because Carl Anthony Towns is really good. Um, almost as good as Nikola Jokic. Not quite as good, but he's right there. I would have had him as about the 12th or 13th best player in the NBA. Jokic is about 7th, 8th, could be as high as like 6th or 5th, but it's really not that much of a difference. Nuggets fans will want to make it a bigger difference than it actually is, but I think that Carl Anthony Towns would succeed here too, so it is what it is. Number 18, we're starting to get into our playoffs things. The Nuggets will win their first round playoff series in 5 games or less, no matter who the opponent is, whether it's the Blazers or the Spurs or the Golden State Warriors or somebody else, the Sacramento Kings, or if it's an underperforming Lakers team, then they're going to win their first round playoff series in five games. There's going to be no nonsense in terms of what the Nuggets expect, what the Nuggets are going to generate. They've been through the ringer once before. And they're adjusted to it now. Now it's now it's definitely their time to walk the walk in this situation. Number 19. The Nuggets will win their second round playoff series in six or seven games. It's not going to be a four-game series or a five-game series. It's not going to be quick. But they're going to struggle uh, no matter who the opponent is. It's going to be a bloodbath. That's just the Nuggets trying to get over the hump and it's going to take a little bit but they're going to do it I think it's likely the Utah Jazz or the Houston Rockets or the Los Angeles Lakers but I think whoever they end up playing they're going to beat and if it's the Lakers that would be glorious finally the Nuggets will make the Western Conference Finals as I've predicted but they will lose to the Los Angeles Clippers in six games the Clippers are dope especially with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George kind of in the position that the Nuggets don't really have a lot of guys to be able to combat those guys specifically. Uh, Torrey Craig is a good option. Jeremy Grant is a good option. Denver has no great options. They don't have a, a guy that's perfectly sized to match up with those guys. Grant is pretty good, though. Like, he'll he'll give the, the those two problems. But the problem is there's only one Jeremy Grant. Uh, there's two top 10, top 12 players, depending on where you want to put Paul George. Uh, but once he gets healthy, once Kawhi Leonard gets adjusted to his new situation, I really do think that the Clippers are going to be great. Their roster is not done yet. I think they're going to trade for another big man. They could trade for Marc Gasol for all we know, kind of like the, the Raptors did with Kawhi Leonard then last year. But either way... I think the Nuggets are going to 
get to the Western Conference Finals this year. 58 wins, first or second seed. They're going to make it to the West Finals. They're going to lose to the Clippers in six games. That's okay. That is progress. That is where the Nuggets should be at this stage in their development. They're not a championship contender by the elite stretch of the word. Uh, there's a reason why people like Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons and, and all the national pundits are a little bit hesitant on them. Some of them are doing it out of kind of negligence or uh, ignorance, but a lot of them, like, there, there are reasons why you shouldn't pick the Nuggets as a contender. They could solve those problems. They could trade for Andre Iguodala, and that would solve a lot of issues, at least in this year alone. They could trade for an upgrade at the shooting guard position. Instead of Gary Harris, you're looking at a Bradley Beal type, and that might improve the Nuggets. They could trade Jamal Murray, and, and in, instead they go for... Uh, somebody who's who's a bona fide player at that at that position. They won't do that. That's not what they're going to do. Uh, it's just an example. Don't kill me. Uh, but either way, I really do think that the Nuggets are in a good position. They're going to get to the West Finals. That's my prediction. That's what I genuinely believe. Uh, it could be a little bit of homerism talking. Probably about five to ten percent homerism. That's okay. Everybody kind of has it. But that's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Really appreciate you if you've stuck around to the end of this. It's been a lot of fun. Regular season is right around the corner. Uh, just one day away. One day away, Nuggets Nation. Tune into the Lakers and Clippers and watch them bash the hell out of each other tonight. Going to be interesting. I'll see you at Brooklyn's on Wednesday night. Make sure to check that out. Denver Stiffs will be partnered with the Nuggets. Going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a great time. That game is going to be pretty explosive against the Blazers. The Nuggets are going to come out with a passion. So stick around, and I will see you next week. 